0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.
0: Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you.
1: You, you, you. Still have run, man, run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts, this is Daniel Bard, this is Steve Alge, Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball, is baseball, baseball isn't boring.
0: Welcome to baseball isn't boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, uh, Dayton, I'm earmuffs if you have to, because I'm going to say it again. One of my favorite people in baseball, Dayton Moore. With so it's back second time on baseball's and boring, but this time as a world champion, again, it's all you do all you do is win world championships. let's go. how you feel?
1: well, well, it was fun. it was great to be a part of of c y staff and you know watching him and Bruce Bochi work together and and just really validating um you know what we all know I mean when you have a general manager and a manager that are committed to the same things. I mean there's no gray area. The players all know, the staff all knows, the, you know, the scouts, the player development people know what the vision is and, and those two complemented each other so well. And of course, you know, great support from ownership and Ray Davis and, you know, allowed CY to, to go get Boach and then to make the moves that that he was able to make and uh not only in the off season but at the trade deadline. Because Rob, I mean CY he had to remake the entire pitching staff pretty much mid-year with the injuries that we had and to be able to go get Scherzer and Montgomery and without Jordan Montgomery and, and, uh, and Chapman, you know, I'm not sure, you know, we are world champions. I mean, we had a lot of guys step up and do Mm -hmm. tremendous things and that's not to say other guys wouldn't have, but the stability that Chappie gave us, in that bullpen, especially when we traded for him, you know, earlier, you know, in June, and uh, and then what Montgomery did for the rotation, uh, the second half of the season was was spectacular.
0: You know, a lot, Dayton, a lot, and I want to ask you a little bit about. We're always learning, right? You win with Kansas City, but you go to a different place, much like Atlanta before. You learn something. You learn something. You learn something. But you had mentioned the the trade deadline acquisitions and. And this has come up a lot because we have Breslow with Boston. We have CY in Texas. These players were doing it. And the understanding when you got to that deadline about the impact, number one, the impact that these players would have, and number two, getting the right players, and number three, maybe prioritizing something a little bit different because you were a former player. If you could talk about sort of looking at what he did from your perspective, what that was like.
1: Well, a lot of thoughts come to mind and and you're right. I mean, it's, um, you know, first of all, you know, when when you make a deal at the deadline, um, there's some predictors, I think, that fuel you, that are catalysts in your decision making. And one, certainly the players are performing well. And, And not only are they performing well, but there's just something special with the chemistry, the attitude, the expectations of the player, the selflessness of the players and the team at the time, the general health of the team has to be considered as well. You know, the hungerness of the team, um, all those things come into play. So I think the the players collectively kind of force your hand and really motivate you um, to want to make deals that are impactful that allow you to match up really well against what your competition looks like the second half of the season into the playoffs. I mean, you're truly trying to put together a world championship roster, but it's the players – that are the catalysts behind that they motivate you to move forward and, and be aggressive. And I think, I think players understand that. I mean, well, so whether it be, you know, Breslow or CY or, or Chris Getz and, and others, you know, Jerry, DeP- whoever you want to talk about, these guys who are ex players, I think really appreciate that and understand that. And then the other part of that, I, I, I just reflect back on, I remember when we traded Adam Wainwright with the Braves and that was a very difficult decision for us because Adam Wainwright wanted to be a brave. I mean, John Smoltz was his idol. He was a Georgia kid. We loved Adam Wainwright. And then when we when we had to make that call about trading him for J.D. Drew, and Jason Marquis was a part of that deal as well, and John Sheralds told us, they said, look, guys, we're only going to have J.D. Drew for one year. But we're trying to win a World Series. We're trying to win 14 straight division titles. We're not going to be able to sign him long term. He's a Scott Boris client. It's probably not going to happen. And so this is a one-year deal. Well, when, when somebody says that, especially in today's baseball world, it's like, no way we're going to do that. We can't give up that type of talent yeah. for one year. But John Schultz understood that he had, a, he had a commitment level to Bobby Cox, that coaching staff, that those players and our fans to get back to win another World Series. Of course, you know we were fortunate to win one in 1995. And so when we called Adam Wainwright and told Adam Wainwright, and, and I, I made the call, and I said, Adam, I said, look, this is hard. This is hard for all of us. I said, but you're going to a great place. You're going to the St. Louis Cardinals. Walt, Walt Jockety, in my opinion, is a Hall of Fame person and a Hall of Fame general manager. You know, uh, Tony La Russa is a Hall of Fame manager. You're going to a great place. But understand this: once you get into that Major League clubhouse, and you're competing every day with you know those other 24 players, you're going to want. And appreciate and expect the general manager of the team to do everything in his power to help you guys win. Because as a major league player, you got a very small window of opportunity to win a world championship. And that's why we do this. We do this to win together and to win a championship. That's how we were all raised in the game. And I said, Adam, you're going to appreciate the aggressiveness and the fearlessness and the commitment that John Scherholz is making right now. You may not understand it. Because you're in the minor leagues and you're a future major league player. But once you get to the major leagues, you're going to understand that and you're going to appreciate that. And and we've talked about that since. And um, and so you asked the question. So CY understands that completely. I mean, he understands what it's like to look around that clubhouse and and the com and and the sacrifice that every one of those players made to make it to the major leagues. All they went through, and they all have tremendous stories of overcoming things it doesn't matter if you're Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon or Josh Young or Josh Smith or you know whoever it is whatever your your role is Travis Jankowski had to overcome a lot to make it to the major leagues and it's just and I think they understand what that path's about and there's an appreciation for it and so I think that's what motivates them to you know to make some of the moves they make.
0: You got me fired up for the trade deadline. Now it's like nine months away, but I'm ready to go. I mean, I, it's just, but it's just the stuff that I remember. It's the stuff that I remember heading into the deadline. I talked to Mike Hazen, and I remember uh, it, it was it was right at the beginning of the playoffs, and, we, and he was honest. He said, one of my goals was to get to the point in the season at the deadline where I was buying, where I was doing exactly what you did. And and there you could have made the case of go the other way with them, but that was in his head all along. And that was like I that is what I wanted to do for this team to get to that right. point. And if you if it was even close, we were gonna go for it. And I think that that was a very real thing for him. And I think it was a very real thing probably for you guys as well, even though you were you you were in much better position. But still, I mean there was dents in the armor, you know. So yeah, I mean that that's a great mindset. So,
1: but you know what I remember. You know, we we all went to, and I know Cy probably wouldn't care if I shared this because I think he has shared this in certain circles as well. But you know, we 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 went to the dead the, the trade deadline. The team was in San Diego, and um, you know, Cy has a home in San Diego. As you know, he you know broke in you know, with uh, the Padres. I think the Padres were the team that gave him a long-term contract, his first one. And so him and Liz and the kids bought a house there, and C-Wise maintained that house. And so we, we've all met there, and we all talked about, um, you know, the deadline. And the team really wasn't performing that well, Rob. I mean, we you know, we got off to a great start. We played a, unbelievable in in May and parts of June. But, you know, we, we were, you know, right at 500 or maybe a little less less than 500 going into the deadline. And CY went around the room and 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 um, got everybody's opinion whether they felt that this team was capable of winning a World Series. And as we all um, discussed that, at the end of the day, everybody felt that this team has the talent to win a World Series. And so CY completely flipped the script and he said, okay, we all agree this team has a chance to win a World Series. And if that is indeed the case, These players that are on this board, these prospects that we all believe in and dream about and know are going to be tremendous players someday are going to have to be utilized in deals to help us win. If that is the goal, if the goal is to win a World Series, then we are going to have to utilize our farm system uh, as capital to improve this team. And so everybody, you know. I don't want to, I don't want to hear any more debate about keeping this guy. These players right here are going to have to be utilized. And so, you know, he, he was able to, to build a consensus. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, I applaud him and his leadership to be able to, to do that and to, you know, to sway our group and help our group understand that this is the mission. Because look, winning a world championship is messy. There's a lot of messy things that get in the way, and you can't let the mess of the of the day to day aspect of baseball get in the way of the mission. And and the mess is, you know, it, it, it could be a lot of different things. It could be injuries. It could be you know drama in the clubhouse. It could be dissension amongst the ownership group. Um, dissension amongst the coaches, uh, the support staff. I mean, there's just a lot of things that go into the, the morale and the making and the baking of the cake of a world championship team. And it takes great leadership to be able to navigate through all those different areas to build that consensus to get everybody to, 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 to want to row the boat in the same direction.
0: Well, so you talk about the process, and I love that story. And, and again, you just got me fired up. To another level, so because I love, I love when when somebody does that. We're like, okay, what's everybody think? And that's what great leaders do, right? Um, so you go through the process, and then you identify the guy. And I know that you had obviously Chapman. You had Scherzer. The guy I'm interested in, for sort of maybe like reflecting on it behind the scenes, whatever. Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery ends up being the guy that every team dreams of of not only getting you there but once you're there that's the guy um so if you can just take me through that i mean i think that's it's a valuable exercise because you don't obviously hit on everyone at the deadline but this was one that you guys did hit on so how did yeah. how do you feel that process went in leading up to it and then getting him
1: well well first of all i mean when the cardinals left spring training they didn't expect to be trading Jordan Montgomery. They expect to be competing for, you know, division title and competing to the World Series. So nobody expected him to even be available. And then, of course, you know, as the season progressed, he, you know, became somewhat available. And so like any other team, we began to follow him, track every single one of his starts, have scouts there in the stands. And we began to, you know, continue to, 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 you know, navigate through that process. Mike Parnell, who's the director of professional scouting with the Rangers, did an unbelievable job of making sure that we stayed focused on the players that 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 our scouting staff and, and our R&D and analytics and felt that could help us uh, win a championship. And so, you know, CY just, uh, as, as all good general managers do, taking all the information and uh, was laser focused on the pitchers that, that made sense to us, uh, you know, you know, Nathan Uvalde, um, We, you know, we we didn't expect him to be on the IL as long as he was the second half, um, but we knew he might have to go on the IL. Obviously, Jacob Degrom was on the IL. Uh, Dane Dunning was performing unbelievable. John Gray had a great stretch, but you know he was starting to be a little inconsistent, and so it became very clear: if we're going to win, we have to reshape and remake this starting rotation. Scherzer was available. Montgomery was available. Again, when you broke camp, nobody, none of us in baseball would have predicted they'd be available. So you have to have some good fortune and some opportunity that presents itself. And so I credit CY and our staff for taking advantage of that opportunity, the players that were available to us. And and so, you know, obviously him and him and uh, Mo, you know, came to an agreement and a deal that could be done. But, you know, Jordan's a he's a he's a pitcher, and he can he you know he can command his fastball on both sides of the plate. He lands his curveball. He's fearless with his changeup. The changeup gets him back into count if he's behind. He fields his position incredibly well. He does a lot of things that starting pitchers must do to be successful. Not only over 162, but win. In, in the playoffs, he doesn't beat himself. Uh, he's very just very consistent with you know what he does. And the team responds to that as well. I mean, when you have pitchers that know how to put the game in rhythm, and I mean by that throwing strikes, executing pitches, working quickly, fielding their position, it, it makes the defense perform better. And we already had a, a very, you know, exceptional defense. But those same defenders are obviously the guys hitting. it, it gets them off their legs, they get in the dugout, and the game gets in rhythm. And Jordan Montgomery, you know, exemplifies, you know, what I think is a winning starting pitcher.
0: Well, you, you know, we knew Ivaldi had the mentality to do what he did, right? I mean, this is – the he, he had enough of a track record to to know that when he was going to get on that stage, it probably was going to be pretty good. Did you guys have? Because I know how this works. You know, you do a lot of legwork, and it's not just looking at the analytics. It's not just looking at the results. It's looking at the human being. It's looking at the people who are around him. Um, did you have an idea that this guy had that mentality that we ultimately discovered that he had?
1: Well, you know, Cy, I credit him when I first joined the Rangers in in November of last year, and um, and then I'd been talking to Cy for. About a month or so, you know, leading up to joining the Rangers, and you know, we had had discussions, but Cy and our staff identified him early, and you know, Cy is big into competitive spirit, desire to compete, be a teammate, pitch to win, play to win. Uh, I mean, he's huge with that, and um, you know, he he identified him early on, and he was the guy that he just kept talking about. And we're going to win a World Championship. We have to. We have to somehow. Uh, get this, this pitcher and, and, you know, see why was so right about him. I and from the day one in spring training, Rob, I mean, he was spectacular. I mean, he set the tone, um, you know, he, he created a, a mindset and an attitude that we knew was going to be contagious. And, uh, you know, sure enough it was.
0: So uh, go back to what I said before, you, you, you win with Kansas city. You had won, like you said, previously with Atlanta, but every place is different. every experience is different. what for what for you was was uh, was a thing that you took away that maybe you didn't expect this time around?
1: Well, you know it's um you know I've been blessed to be in leadership positions in this game for a long time and and truly, when I became when I was given those positions. Uh, I wasn't ready for him. I wasn't even ready to be a general manager, truthfully. I mean, you think you are. it Doesn't matter who your mentors are, or how much success you have, until you until you sit in that chair. You know, you really, you really don't. You know, you, it just moves too fast. There's new experiences. There's there's a learning curve that takes place, and I experienced that truthfully in every position I had in the game. Even when I was an area scout, and certainly, you know, when I was doing international work and professional scouting and amateur scouting, and then being a farm director and then personnel guy and and so, you know, uh, to be able to experience success, uh, team success at all those levels has been different. It was different as an area scout. It was different as uh, as a farm director. It was different as a GM, and it was different as a senior advisor. But I found myself enjoying it more than I ever have in my life. I mean, in any of the previous to this year, and and I really, I enjoyed it so much because I was able to really kind of celebrate in the enjoyment and the successes of everybody else. And to watch CY, how he competed from day one in spring training. And as I said, watching him and Boach work together is truly a beautiful thing. Um, and, and and how much sacrifice our scouts and our development people and to watch their families. And, you know, when you're a GM and you're, when you're young and you're doing it for the first time, you, you know, you, you really don't know even know what to look for, right? And then as a GM, you're just so focused on making sure that the team does everything possible to, to win. And, and the thing I learned in Atlanta after all those years is it's hard to win. It's yeah. hard to win a World Series. We had what I felt the best talent and the best team many a year when the postseason began. And, you know, we won one world championship. And, you know, we were a part of four World Series during that period of time and uh, but only one one. And so when we got in Kansas City, I knew our window would, would was probably a lot shorter than Atlanta would be. And so the effort and the intensity and the drive to win once we got there was like any no other experience that that I that I'd had in the game. And then once we got in, you know, we're the last team in the American League to get in this year with Texas. Mm. And you know, C and I CY and I talked about this very thing. I said CY, you know, we we got a good team, and we got some stars that have a chance to carry this team through the playoffs. I said, but think about everything that we went through this year over 162. The injuries, uh, you know, some of the, 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 the trades we had to make because of the injury, poor performance, uh, inconsistency with the team. You know, it was so hard to get here. Let's enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it, and it's going to be my job to help you and your family and the rest of our guys enjoy it. Cause I didn't enjoy it either, Rob. I mean, I didn't, but, uh, and so that's the main thing I was trying to do. I, I you know, it was funny watching the games this year. I hardly ever, and our people, would tell, I never showed any emotion in the, <laughs> any, any joy in the, in the, in the suite. I never have. I mean, I sometimes, unfortunately my negative emotions and my reacting attitude, uh, would take over and, you know, I'd lash out uh, at times, but I never showed much joy. And I wanted to show a lot of joy in um, in the suite this year. And And I fed off CY, really, and the rest of the guys. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that they took me in and, and helped me be a part of it. And, you know, I think CY showed so much class and crediting John Daniels for all the hard work and the sacrifice of his family to get to where, um, you know, the Rangers were this year and then ultimately win. And I you know, I wish John Daniels and John Daniels, I hope, does feel a part of it because, you know, it is just like Howard Baird should feel a part of what we accomplished in Kansas City and Derek Ladner and all those guys that started with us that weren't with us at the end because they had an impact on, on those championship teams. And, um, you know, so it, it was good to see, you know, all that come together for everybody.
0: Yeah, we we had we had John on, John Daniels on, and and he admitted, you know, he's obviously it's tough, but one of the great things, and I actually it was after we did the podcast, I saw him at the GM meetings. and I don't think he'll mind saying this, but like the, the, his kids were in the parade, right? So his yeah, you know, and that's that's pretty cool, you know, that's that's pretty cool.
1: That's the way baseball should be because you can say what you want. Everybody's success is tied together. And, um, you know, it, it, takes a collection of great ideas and, and maybe even sometimes some not so great ideas and that you learn from and, um, you know, we, but we all stay together and that's what good teams do. That's what good families do. That's what good organizations do. They stay together and they, you know, they give credit to, you know, to those that have earned it. And, uh, John Daniels has, has earned a lot of that in my opinion.
0: Well, well, to spin it forward. So now i I'm gonna ask you so like uh, the perspective that I just simply can't have, which is being a decision maker at the winter meetings which is are coming up and um it's it's first of all, I don't know how you feel about nashville the the opera, it's not a great place to have the winter i mean it's, you might as well have it at home because it's so huge it's not like you're running from hotel room to hotel room um but what is it like for you at the winter meetings? And I know that what happens typically is you get a suite and you have a, a, your your people there and you're in the suite and, and the snacks all over the place and starts to smell and everything else. But because you're in there all the time, but and maybe you send people down to lobby to get info. But just take me through from your perspective what it's like to be in the winter meetings as a chief decision maker.
1: Well, it's, it's changed through the years for sure. I mean, when when I first started doing it, it was it was more inclusive. There was less people around. You know, all the minor league people were there, which I which I always thought was awesome. I loved celebrating baseball, you know, with with everybody in the game. And then it it started to change. More people involved. Um, more expectations, um, and it was just very difficult to get a lot of things done. And I felt that there was, there, there tended to be, you know, some confusion at the winter meetings because there was a lot of different ideas, a lot of pressure on front offices to, to make a deal. And, and so with that, I think a lot of teams would get involved in areas or with players that maybe they really weren't that interested in, but it kind of, they, they, they kind of put their foot in a little bit and it kind of stalled the process. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, we're, we're in a lot of the deals are made once you leave the general, ma- the general, uh, the, the winter meetings rather, and you're laying a lot of groundwork at the winter meetings that are preparing you for future deals. And it may not happen, you know, before Christmas or even before spring training, maybe it happens in spring training, but some of those conversations that you're having, you know, lead up to, you know, future deals and you're becoming comfortable, um, you know, with, uh, you know the 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 other front office and and with the transparency and the discussions you have, but the other thing is it's a great team building opportunity for you and your team, your staff, your leadership team, your scouts, your front office. you get a chance hopefully to have great baseball discussions with one another and and talk about maybe people that have helped shape you and in, in your baseball life that brings perspective that motivates you to make future decisions and to uh, to carry on legacies and and so you, you you get a chance to have much deeper discussions I found at the winter meetings i I always enjoyed it truthfully. This year I'll be going as you know as a, as an advisor to why. and again'm I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing people and um, and to you know enjoying the relationships that we've developed in this game because at the end of the day that's what it's all about. The people are so much more important than outcomes, Robert Rob. I mean, they're just so important. So much more important. I mean, we get caught up in all the outcomes and win or lose and produce or go home type of attitude, but it's the relationships and the people that we get to do this with that make it special. The the thing I've learned in 30 years of professional baseball and then five years as a college coach before that. And as I reflect back, the things that I've learned is yes, baseball is the attraction for all of us. We love the game. There's something special about that seed that was planted. You know, in our heart, many, many years ago as a little boy, and we've been able to do this our entire lives. And that's special. That's the attraction. But what sustains us in the game is the people. It's the relationships that we have. That's what sustains us in the game. Because you know and I know, it doesn't matter what your role is in the game, the game will beat you up every single day. I mean, you're not putting your head on a pillow at night on most days saying, oh, my gosh, everything just worked perfectly in in this baseball world today. Most of the time you're you're wondering what to do when you go to bed and you're wondering what to do when you wake up and it's the relationships and the camaraderie that you have with everybody that gets you through those times and allows you to have those breakthroughs and and come to a decision and 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 move forward with trying to make your team better. so I mean that's 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 how we've we've always tried to keep it in perspective
0: No, you know it's it's funny I yeah, thinking about the winter meetings, there is a sense of community. I mean we forget about that, right. And sometimes maybe the GMs are the last people who are able to 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 enjoy that because you're holed up a little bit more than the GM meetings or other places. But you whip mill around the lobby, you see people you don't see all year, and maybe like that's it. Like you're going to see them. You might talk on the phone with them, but this is the face to face you have with them. And yeah. it's it a community, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, yeah. so <clears throat> why did when you're talking about? You know, I remember at the winter meetings. There used to be, well, they still do. They have the podium. They have a podium set up. That we're going to announce trades. We're going to announce signings. I specifically remember when you were with the Braves, the Andy Marte for Edgar Renteria deal, like that was yeah. announced. You know, like that same. I think winter meetings with AJ Burnett and BJ Ryan. And it's almost never happening now because deals aren't done. So my question is, when did it turn from? We got pretty much every done before Christmas everything done before Christmas to we're gonna go all the way up to February is there a reason for this?
1: Well I think I think yeah I think the money involved now and um, um, you know there's a lot of information which can sometimes paralyze us to make a decision. Um, the it seems like the uh, the high profile free agents are signing later and that holds up the process. I think organizations are less willing to trade prospects than they used to because, you know, prospects are, I mean, certainly, you know, young players are, you know, so valuable in today's game, especially the economics of it. And, um, and so I just think we're a little more, um, I wouldn't say fearful of making decisions, but just think we're, we're a little more methodical about things. Uh, which I'm not saying is bad. And we're a little more thoughtful about things, which again, I'm not saying is, is a negative, but I just think we, we take a little longer to process information. There's more people involved. I remember the first winter meetings I went to, it was, uh, it was Paul Snyder, Derek Ladnier, myself, John Sherholtz, and Dean Taylor, and, you know, our scouts, that was it. You know, our, our, our guys that did major league work, you know, Bill LaJoy, Donnie Williams, um you know, guys like that, that were, that were there. And uh, now, you know, I look at the list of the, the number, you know, the, the number of people the Rangers are bringing and the number of people we brought with the Royals. I mean, it's 30 35 people that are coming to the winter meetings and that's how things have changed. And so when you have more people involved, it's, you know, it's, it's more information to, to sift through. And um, you know, sometimes look, blind spots can be good and blind spots can be bad. And sometimes, you know, we, we try to uncover every blind spot before we make a decision. And so sometimes when you, when you don't know what you don't know, you're freed up to do things. Right. And you, you, are not, I can tell you right now, if I knew, and this is kind of a, you know, who know, I mean, but I look back, if I knew how hard it was going to be when we came to Kansas city and, Rebuilding the farm system and being in a small market and and all the the criticism that you take along the way. If I could have felt all that and experienced all that before, I would have I would have said, no, I, I'm not taking this job. I'm going to stay right here in Atlanta and, you know, senior overseas scout and player development and work with a Hall of Fame general manager. But I had blind spots. I didn't know how tough it was going to be. And so I did it. And so I'm thankful that we did. And so I think think that that probably plays into it a little bit. And we want to uncover every blind spot before we make a decision. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I just think that we, you know, sometimes – and when you look at some of the young GMs in the past, I mean, they tend to be a little more aggressive. And a lot of times it worked out for them. And sometimes it didn't. But, you know, I remember John Daniels getting criticized for signing, you know, uh, Adrian Beltre. Yeah. And it worked out pretty good. And I remember Rizzo getting, you know, when he was a young GM, and it worked out really good. And he's, you know, and I think the Hall of Famer. And you know, I remember when Mike Rizzo took over in in, in Washington. I think uh, I forget who he signed right out of the gate that spring. I'm drawing a blank. Um, anyway, he made a big splash, and it ticked everybody off. And I forget who he signed. Doug on it. Um,
0: I'll look it up. But, okay.
1: but but you get the point. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and so when you're young and, you know, you feel – you know, we signed Gil Mesh right out of the game. I remember that. You know, yeah. and we traded for Joaquin Soria, and he was in he was in low A. He pitched 11 innings in, in low A, and we took him in the Rule 5 draft. And I remember thinking – our guys were saying, yeah, I think he can pitch for us in the major leagues this year. And I'm going, okay. I didn't even question it. Our scouts said Louis Medina said he can pitch in the major leagues for us. Today we would have freaking said, Well, we don't have enough information. You know, what's the data say and what have you? I mean, but Louis was down there in Mexico and saw him pitch in right place, right time, working as a scout and said, Take him. And so we took him. And, you know, we end up and we traded for Brian Bannister that year too. And um um in that first winter meetings but you know as a young person you just you got a little more blind spots and so you think you're invincible a little bit and you hadn't made enough mistakes yet but I remember something Pat Gillick told me one time and Mike Arbuck will confirm this because he used to say it all the time as well but Mike Arbuck or Pat Gillick used to say if you're not making mistakes you're probably not aggressive enough Mm -hmm. and I've never ever never ever forgot that
0: that's pretty good. And, and we had a JP, JP Richard, he was talking about the thing that he, when you talked to Billy Bean, he, he would say, focus on who you're getting more than that's right. on who you're giving up. Right. I agree with that. I, I, think, agree with that I think that's lost. I mean, from, from my perspective, I think sometimes that's lost.
1: That's so. right. I think, I think that's, I think that is so, so wise and um, you know, so important. Focus on, what this particular player or players mean and what they do to blend in with your current roster to help your team win. And, and like I said, you, you, you know, baseball's too unpredictable and, um, you know, focus on what you're getting, not what you're giving up.
0: I have to ask any, any, you have a lot of winter meetings, memories, but there's always good stories. It's <laughs> you, know, always, you know, usually involves the agent's like, coming in throwing stuff around a room or i don't know i mean or was any good any good maybe just one any good winter meeting stories
1: well you know i don't know there's so many of them truthfully um you know i i just uh, i don't know if you know mike toomey at all but mm-hmm. you know mike toomey's a he's a hall of fame scout and and um he's done so much to help people in the game and you know he's he's actually you know running a, a foundation right now where he does clinics and helps kids in columbia the country of Colombia, south america to um you know with, with with baseball and so forth but you know he would always come in and entertain and and uh he's a great storyteller and and uh you know just listening to him talk about you know guys like you know joe consoli that he grew up with and joe branzell and scouts and being in the backwoods of you know all these different areas back when area scouts you know you know there was unlimited rounds and, um, you know, guys didn't really travel in packs and there wasn't, you know, showcases and tournaments and travel ball. And you really had to, to find guys. And, you know, Mike would always have a story or two about an experience he had in, you know, in the backwoods of West Virginia or Pennsylvania or, or, you know, Virginia or, or the Carolinas. And, and so there's, you know, so many, so many of them. Of course, we were probably a little more less concerned about health back then and and what we ate and what we drank and you know there was always you know guys that would you know kind of lived a little harder than I think some guys <laughs> do today
0: so it, the the tales of the sweet I like I like yeah. it so yeah well listen again you got me fired up for baseball and which you always do I appreciate that every single time Dayton um, hi right, Rob
1: I appreciate you as well and thanks for thanks for having me
0: Yeah.